morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4, that's where we're going to do our reading today. We're going to start in verse 28 and read to verse 33. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28 through 33. All this reached Nebuchadnezzar the king. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal house by the strength of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still yet in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is said, the kingdom has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your place of habitation will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you know that the Most High is the powerful ruler over the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whoever he wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was accomplished, and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Some of you may have come in this morning and you see a, a, a piece of wood with an accident. Why is there a piece of wood with axe on the stage at church? King Nebuchadnezzar, we've been hanging out with him for a few weeks in the book of Daniel. The king's a pagan king who has no regard for the things of God. But God desires that this pagan king would know him. God desires that all people, all men, all women, in all places, would know the Father through the Son. The Lord God desires all would know Jesus Christ. And so the Lord seeks after King Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord wants to bring this king to himself, and so he sends the king a dream. In the dream, there's this great tree beautiful tree full of birds and fruit and the shade of the tree gives rest to all the animals of the forest an angel comes down and says cut down that tree today's sermon is entitled cut down to a stump I will let a poet of our day set the tone for us Johnny Cash is a beloved musician here in America. Many of us know a few of his songs personally. At the end of Johnny Cash's life, on his deathbed, he called his team to come in and wanted to write some last songs before he died. What's crazy is he recorded five albums from his deathbed. He was supposed to die early. He outlived his wife. And those five albums are full of just a man's final reflections of his li long life, a hard life. He reflects on what he's done, where he's been, his regrets, his pain. And in that catalog of those five final albums, he writes a song. 
give us a piece of it right now. He says, you can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. We can run on for a long time. But God comes for this king, and we're going to learn that God can come for us as well. Nebuchadnezzar has been warned by the Lord. He has been warned. He had a dream. God sent him a prophet. He has been told, God is going to cut you down. He has been warned, walk humbly with the Lord that this axe may not fall upon you. It says in verse 28, all this reached the attention of the king. At the end of 12 months, a year passes, and he just, as we do, we forget. The memory fades. Remember that nightmare of God cutting me down a tree? That was so long ago. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king answered and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal house by the strength of my power and for the glory of my majesty? What happens here? The king is walking on his palace and he looks out on the greatness of Babylon. And Babylon is great. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world is there in Babylon. We still have the pyramids, right? Still have the Great Wall of China. But back there in Babylon, they had, they had the hanging gardens of Babylon, which they've lost to history. But he looks upon this beautiful empire with marble and gold and precious stones. And when he sees that greatness, he says to himself, Look at this great kingdom. I built this. My strength built this empire. And the greatness of this empire glorifies my name. You notice the, the words he's using? Which I myself has built. The strength of my power, the glory of my majesty. His heart is exalted. He's like, I'm the man and I did all this. This is the sin of pride. What is pride? Pride is an exaltation of the self. I lift up myself in my own thinking. The king was out in the world and the king sees this awesome empire. He goes, man, I am the man. Look how strong I am. Look how wise I am. And everything in this empire tells the world that I'm the greatest. Pride eats him up. And here's the thing about pride. This vice, this thing the Bible tells us, so the entire scriptures were warned about pride. In America, pride is seen as a virtue. We are told, we are encouraged to make ourselves the center of our stories. We are encouraged to exalt ourselves. There's this phrase that's gotten a lot of popularity in the last five years. My truth. 
The key word of that is not truth. The key word is my. My truth means I get to define reality for myself. What's actually true outside doesn't matter. What matters is my perception, my perspective, my desires. What I want is higher and greater than anything else. I am the hero of the story, and all that matters is how I feel. That is a dangerous way to live a life. I was showing my kids uh, the other day some of my favorite movie previews. A good movie preview is awesome. I have a list. My top five incredible movie trailers ended up being awful movies. I still watch those trailers. I'm like, man, this trailer is so good. How was that movie so bad? And one of these great trailers that gave us a bad movie, in the midst of the trailer, a character says such wise counsel to his son. That movie, that trailer came out, what, 20 years ago? I've never forgotten the wisdom of that movie trailer. The movie went against the wisdom of the father in the trailer. In the movie, they're like, oh, he's stupid, do what you want. But in the trailer, the father, there's a son, he's engaged to a lady, meets a cool lady at a wedding, and of course, the movie's on him having an affair, being deceitful, midlife crisis at 32. Midlife crisis, I thought, was supposed to be like 40, 50. We keep on lowering those ages. I know 20 years old having midlife crisis now, you know what I'm saying? But he's a 30-year-old guy with a midlife crisis in this movie. But the dad tells him, he says to him, what you feel only matters to you. What matters is how you treat the ones you love. And I was like, dang, dude. Your dad just told you some truth. But we as Americans, we don't care. For the people we love, our obligations, our promises, when for many of us, we exalt our own momentary pleasures. That matters more than anything to us in America. That exaltation of the self is the sin of pride. And listen, pride is not just arrogance. There are people who are like, I'm the best, I'm so great, look what I've done. But there are also people High self-esteem, arrogant self-esteem is the same sin as poor self-esteem. It's still you as the center of your story. It's all about me. I'm no good. No one loves me. I'm so awful. I'm not as good as them. It's still making yourself the center of your story. That centering of yourself is the sin of pride. Because here's the truth. We are not the hero of the story. The movie is not about us. It's not about you, and it's not about me. There's this Bible story I love where a woman is caught in the sin of adultery. And in the Middle East, if you're caught in adultery, the law of the street is you will be stoned to death right there in front of everybody. The Bible tells us she is brought out of that moment 
brought into the street to be judged by these people. And they bring her to the feet of Jesus. If Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. What should we do? Should we throw rocks at her until she dies, or do we let her go? They put Christ in a lose-lose scenario. You know what I'm saying? He says, kill her. He's a brutal man. He says, don't kill her. Well, he has no regard for our traditions. It's a lose-lose scenario for Jesus. But Jesus is wise beyond all of our wisdom. Jesus goes, okay, you want to kill her? Let he who has no sin cast the first stone. And those guys drop their rocks and they walk away. Now, many of us read that story. Whenever, I don't know if you, when I watch a movie, when I read a book, I often put myself in the story. Who would I be in this story? Like me and the kids, we just watched Ninja Turtles for the first time this year. They have a new Ninja Turtles cartoon came out pretty good. And I'm like, which turtle are you? Oh, I'm this turtle. Well, I'm that. We always put ourselves in the story, you know? Who am I in this movie? Well, in the Bible story, many of us might be tempted to say, Man, I want to be like Jesus in this story. I want to be the one who stands between the vulnerable and the powerful. I want to be the defender. I want to be the wise one. If that's your first instinct, when you read the Bible, if you always put yourself in the shoes of Jesus, you probably have a pride problem. Because in that story, we're not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. We are not the Savior. We don't save nobody. We can't even save ourselves. How can we save anybody out there in the world? In this story, you're either the woman caught in adultery, ashamed, afraid, scared, and we need someone to save us. Or we're the rock-throwing judgmental jerks who condemn all those around us. That's who we are in the story. We're not the hero. Pride is the exaltation of self. And for many of us, we want to exalt ourselves because there's a lot of reasons. For a lot of us, you know some of the most, some of the biggest talkers in the world are the most insecure. You ever find that? You ever see that? Some of the biggest braggarts deep down are afraid if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. And that fear makes us grab and, and pull. Pride is an exaltation of the self. The king is like, I built this house. I'm strong. I'm the best. I did this. And what does God do to pride and the proud? While the word was in the king's mouth, that's brutal. He, the, the, he, he's saying the awful things. The words are just coming out. And a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is said, the kingdom has been removed from you. You will be driven away from mankind, and your place of habitation will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you know that the Most High is the powerful ruler over the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whomever he wishes. Immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was accomplished. 
he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feather and his nails like bird's claws. This is the king of Babylon. He ate the best food. Probably slept on a silk bed with silk sheets. Everything he ever wanted, he had. But here's the truth. If you, go, if you go all the way to verse 37, listen to this. It says, the king says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true, his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. God is able to humble those who walk in pride. If you choose to exalt yourself and to make yourself the hero of your story, if all you care about is yourself, it, all that matters is my wants, my feelings, my truth, my story, my dreams. If that's you, just know God can humble you. The scripture says it's so clear. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God cuts King Nebuchadnezzar down. This king who ate good food, when he spoke, his orders were put into law. God takes away his mind. He can't talk. He can't be reasoned with. He goes out into the woods, and he's a madman for seven years, eating grass like a cow. His robe just deteriorating over time. It says his hair grows long and like disheveled and unkempt. His nails get all gross and funky like eagle talons, it says. He is a crazy man, cannot be reasoned with. He is God humbles this man. Here's something about humbling you got to know. The word humble has the same root word as humiliate. If you stand in private for the Lord, and he has to humble you, you know how he does that? He might have to humiliate you to knock you off your pedestal. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When I was in college, I graduated college, and I came back to Waterford, Michigan to serve at church, and you know what? I thought I was big crap. I went to college. I went to like the premier college in North America. Ooh, the Moody Bible Institute, you know. I heard by a church and I was convinced I'm going to walk through this door of ministry and I'm going to do great things for God. Woo! I go to this new church I'm working at and I'm told that every like Thursday, I have to work with the janitorial staff for this large church. My first Thursday, working for a guy named Archie, great dude, man, good friend. He gives me a putty scraper. He goes, go outside and get all the, the gum off all the sidewalks around the church building and on the city sidewalks by the church building. And he leaves, and I'm sitting there with this little putty knife, and my heart is angry. My thoughts are, my inner monologue went something like this. 
didn't go to college for four years, six years. I didn't go to college for six years to scrape bubble gum off of stinking sidewalks. Do they know who I am? I have all this giftedness, all this talent, all this ability, and they're putting me, oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, oh, I'm, and I'm, in my mind, I'm just, they're racist. Every, every week, I'm like, and I'm like, these guys, dude. I'm so mad about it. How dare they? My mentor came, came up to me to lunch that day, and I was hot. I did my work, I wanted to, but I was, ooh. I'm, I'm out there on the street, like by the road, I'm getting bubble gum off the stinking sidewalk. People driving by, beeping. <laughs> I, was, I was furious. My mentor asked me, and I'm, I'm just, to my mentor, I'm just spewing my anger to him. And he goes, this is really good for you. I'm like, what do you mean it's good for me? He goes, you are a proud man. And God has to humble you before he can use you. Every single Tuesday, we'd drive to church, we'd go to staff meeting, and every Tuesday, my mentor would tell me, he'd go to McDonald's, he'd buy me breakfast, he's a good guy, and on the way to the church, he'd say to me, Ernesto, we're going to staff meeting, I want you to, this is what I want you to do, you sit there, you shut your mouth, you earn the right to talk, you're too proud to speak. He said those words to me for two years, every Tuesday, you're too proud to speak. Sit there, shut your mouth, earn the right to talk. Dude, I, there's some days I tell Angela way to work. If he says it again today, I'm going to lose my mind. I still, I've been two years, I can't be proud still. But every, every Thursday when I worked out in the maintenance, whether he gave me a toilet brush, a putty knife, slowly God began knocking me off my pedestal. And the Lord said, I have not called you to do great things for me, I have called you to serve me. And I get to define what that means. The story is not about you, Ernesto. The story is about Jesus. And a lot of people think the bigger the ministry, the more God uses it. That is a false narrative. Largest does not equal faithfulness. The biggest ministries in America are lying scammers. There's some good ones, too. I'm not saying they're all jerks. But here at Flint City, our goal is not to get big. Our goal is to be faithful. The Dort Center, we're having Christmas at the Dort Center, okay? We're doing this massive event citywide, 40 local churches coming together to do a Christmas service. The goal is that many would hear the gospel. That's our goal. We've rented the entire MTA. So anyone in the city can get to the Dort Center for free for that service. And guess what? You will not see a single sign for Flint City at that thing. I probably won't be on the stage at all. And that's totally cool because our goal is not to exalt the name of Flint City Church. Our goal is to exalt the name of Christ. If people come and hear about Jesus and turn them to salvation, that's the win. That's the win for us. God is able. What does it say? He is able to humble those who walk in pride. I think of Peter. Christ says, 
All of you will, be, will run away from me this night. All of you will abandon me. And Peter goes, not me. All those butts will leave you. They'll have to kill me to pry me away from you, O oh Lord. I'd rather die. Big old talk. I love so many of us, we have that, we, we, I love Peter. Such, such, such just arrogant self-belief in himself. And Jesus just looks at him and goes, Peter, you talk the biggest talk, and you're going to do me the most wrong. Everyone's going to run, but you're going to deny me three times. No, no, man, you got to get the wrong guy, Jesus. And before the rooster crows, guess what? Denies his maker, his master, his friend three times. The movie they did, The Passion of the Christ, they get the scene so right. Peter runs from everyone. He's so ashamed of what he's done because God is able to humble the proud. He can cut us down to a stump. This axe is my axe, just so you know. Someone said it's too clean. Man, get out of my face. I use this axe all the time. <laughs> I think I oil this thing every year, get it all ready to use. I love, I love going outside in the wind and snowy, taking my wood and splitting it and, and putting it in the fireplace to keep us warm in the, in the winter. I know we're not a whole house in the prairie, but we do a little bit of stuff in our house. In my, I'm not a, a woodsy guy, but when I, um, when my, when my friend came home from India, I had nowhere to live. I was, we had sold everything we owned. We moved to India. We had, we had get out of India. Had nowhere to go, so we lived in my in-laws' house for a good year. And my father-in-law, good man, he goes, Ernesto, if you deal with the wood, you don't got to pay any rent. I'm like, I have no money, so I will do work on the property to pay my rent. And so. He had in his house, it's a big, how big was that house? How many square feet? 4,000? It was huge, dude, huge. They had a great room. It was truly great. Um, so he had this, he didn't do propane, he didn't do gas. He did a wood heater outside. And it like, you burned wood and the wood tried to heat to the home. It even heated the water, it was crazy. But I'd go out there every morning and cut wood and fill this Every morning and night, fill this stinking thing up. So I'd go out there and I'd axe. It was very therapeutic for me at that time. But I also had to go out and cut trees down. Felling a tree is dangerous work. Have you ever done this or not? If a tree falls, it can kill you. You know what I'm saying? You've got to be very careful cutting a tree down. But we'd go up to cut trees down. And I'd do chainsaw, not an axe, because it's easier. And, but these mighty trees on that property, I mean, 50, 60, 80 feet tall, these majestic trees, when we cut them down, they'd fall and became fire for our wood burner. When God says, man, if you live in pride before me, I can cut you down before that tree gets cut down. God is able to humble those who walk in pride. There's a verse we all know, right? Pride comes before a fall. That big talk, that self-aggrandizement, that 
thinking of ourselves better than we ought. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The king for seven years is out there in the woods. What's crazy? This is nuts. What's nuts is literally in Babylonian history, it's recorded the king disappeared for a season. The king was just gone off the throne and there was a vassal in his place. And no one wrote down why. He was crazy in the woods because God smoked him. Verse 34, at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes towards heaven, and my knowledge returned to me. I woke up. Whoa, whoa, oh, this grass tastes terrible. Like, <laughs> he wakes up. And what does he do? I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Then he breaks into song. For God's dominion is an everlasting dominion. All his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but God does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can strike against his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my knowledge returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of the kingdom, and my high officials and my nobles began seeking me out, and I was reestablished in my kingdom, and extraordinary greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride." What is humility? Pride is the exaltation of self. We live that way, God can cut us down. Humility is the exaltation of the high king of heaven. Humility is keeping the main character the main character. It's realizing in this story, Jesus is the hero well, who are we then? In every great story, I love story. I love comic books. I love movies. I love novels. Movies have characters, okay? You often have a hero, the good guy, Indiana Jones, Luke Skywalker, Ninja Turtles, whatever. There's also villains, right? There's the villain, the bad guy. And a good movie has a good bad guy. Like the Joker, you know, oh, 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 the best bad guys. Darth Vader, good bad guys. So there's the hero, the protagonist, the villain, the antagonist, and there's other characters in many stories called the agonist, which is a weird word. We'd say in our vernacular, the damsel in distress, the person in danger who needs to be saved. Back in the old black and white movies, there'd be some lady tied up on a train track, you know, by Guy Smiley. You gotta go, not Guy, that's a some city street. Some bad guy with a black hat. I don't know what his name is. But someone's got to save the damsel in distress. Listen. We're not the hero. We're the damsel in distress. We need to be rescued, delivered, saved. In the story of David and Goliath, 
We always put ourselves in David's shoes, right? I'm going to face my Goliath and knock him down. Ooh, I'm the man. I'm the woman, you know. Listen, in that story, we all want to pretend we're David. But in reality, we're the Israelites hiding in our tents, afraid, wondering what's going to happen. What does the future hold? Are we going to be beaten? Are we going to be defeated? Are we going to be enslaved? We are hiding. We don't know the future, and we're scared deep down. But thanks be to God, he has sent a Savior to stand where we could not stand and to face whom we could not face. Jesus Christ is the hero of the story. And keeping him central, that is humility. The story is not about me. The story is about Jesus. One of my favorite preachers, my favorite ministers of the gospel ever once said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. I love that. Do the work God has for you and fade into the dust because what matters is not our legacy but the Lord's gospel bringing sinners and lost folk to himself. And again, if Christ is the point of the story. It keeps me, it keeps my perspective in check. There came a point, so back 20 years ago, my first day on the job, scraping bubble gum off the sinking thing, I was like, who do you think you are asking me to do this work that's below me? Well, nowadays, I was, I was a low totem pole guy back in those days. Well, now I'm the senior pastor of a church. Woo, you know. There have been days here at Flint City. Someone runs up, pastor, pastor. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Someone boob a toilet, man. It's all backed up. And I'm like, I got it. And I run in there and take care of it. And I'm not like, stick it. Plunging the toilet below me. Now it's just like this needs to be done, and I'm the one that's here. I'll get it done. Every day around this, this building, every, every week around this building, people just show up. We had a guy show up. It was raining last week. What day was that? Tuesday, Wednesday? It was really raining. Was it Tuesday? It was all raining and gross. Tuesday it was Tuesday, and I'm I'm working on my sermon, spiritual stuff, you know. Knock on the door, open it, a dude's soaking wet. It's cold and rainy. He's like, man, I need a ride back to Miller Road. I'm like, okay. Well, it's not a, we're not a bus station, we're not a taxi station. You want some water? Please leave. Uh, no, I, I, that's, my, that's your first instinct, right? And he says, you know, I, I, I'm like, well, why are you here? He said, well, I went to Kroger. And I said, man, I'm here. I've walked seven miles. I'm so exhausted. I'm soaking wet. I'm cold. I asked if it would help me. And they told me there's good people down the road at that church. So I came here because I needed a ride. That is amen. I couldn't say no then. I'm like, oh, I think you could. <laughs> Being Kroger, saying we're nice. But here's the thing. It, I felt for a moment that, you know, like, I got 
real things to do. And the Lord was like, this is what I have for you to do. And there wasn't that, this is below me. I was grateful to serve where I was able to serve. Because when you're not the hero, when you're not the main character, however you can be a part of what God's doing, you're grateful for. You change your perspective. It's not about me. And Jesus says to us, he says so wisely, he says, it is in losing your life you will find it. If you chase your own joy, guess what? You're never going to find it. If you waste all your effort to yourself happy, it's never going to happen. It's like chasing the mist. There was a, I mean, this one kid. We were at a summer camp, and one of my leaders, one of my student leaders, the first day of camp, his girl dumps him. So he smoked. He is worthless to me. He's my student leader, and he's a sad sack of potatoes the rest of the week. I mean, do you know how we do with a girl in high school breaks up with you? That's the end of the world. Thought she was about everything. He's just, he's, just, he's just worthless to me. So we're doing a zip line over a swamp. Ooh. Um, that was, I don't know why we were doing that. It was gross. But we just zip line over the swamp. And I saw him, and I'm like, hey, student leader, come help me with this sticky zip line. <laughs> Climbs the tower. And me and him were sending kids, and we had this rope. So if you pull the rope, the kids will fly off the zip line, and it was great. Um, and so him and I are sending kids across. They were having a good, and oh, as the day, as the event continues, I watch him forget his own sadness. He starts smiling, laughing. We start leaving, and we're just talking about life and God. And he finally just goes, man, I feel a lot better. I'm like, you know why? He's like, why? I was like, because you took your eyes off yourself and put them on somebody else. Things like service, things like submission, things like silence, help us to humble ourselves. And here's a free one for you. It's easier to humble yourself than to be humbled. Humbling yourself is way less painful than being cut down like a, to a stump. Choosing to humble myself before the Lord, listen, is it hard? Yes. They, the Bible calls it dying to self. Dying to self, not fun. Not fun. <sighs> dying to self means, I remember one time, I came home from work, and I had, I bought Slurpees for everybody. Slurpee for mama, Slurpee for daughter, Slurpee for me. I think Nesto might have, you were in the, you were in the womb still, bro. <laughs> You're a non-factor, brother. <laughs> you get the slurpee through mama. It would cut, you'd get to taste it, okay? So, I come. No, no, you were around. You were a baby baby. No slurpees, though. Okay, you're a little baby. So, I come home, and I'm thinking, I bought everyone slurpees. I'm the best dad ever, best husband. I come to the door, and I got, oh, I got my stuff from work. I got the stuff. And I got, I got a gallon of milk or something. And I come to the door, and I'm, I'm like, everyone's be so pumped to see me. And I, I knock on the door, da, 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 and no one comes. I'm like, oh, they probably just they didn't hear me. And you, you got the screen door. You know, the, you know the dance screen door. You're holding it. Da, 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 you're just, it's, just, it's tough, dude. I take it to the keys. Take an armful of stuff. Da, 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 nothing. And all of a sudden, the emotions, they shift. I'm feeling pretty uh, unappreciated, guys. 
I got, I got, I got Slurpees for you. So I give it a little more. Gutta, gutta, gutta. Nothing. Anger begins to rise. I do all this stuff for no one, no one appreciates me. I'm a psycho sometimes. And I get mad, and I, so I give the door a knee. Three knees, just, I mean, kickboxer knees. Just boom! I'm, I'm, I shake the house with these blows. Angie opens the door. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm here. And she walks away. So I come in the house, the Slurpee's down. Instead of everyone be happy, no one's around. I'm alone in the, in the kitchen. I walk into the living room. Well, apparently, uh, my youngest, who did exist, blew out a diaper. It happens. I'm sorry, it happens. So she's back there dealing with that. And I'm losing my mind at the front door. So I walk in the living room, and my lip, she's got to be two years old, and she's just, my daughter's crying in the living room because she's so scared because some scary man was busting in the front door. And I see the fear on her. My first instinct is pride says, don't apologize. Pride says, it's not my fault. Pride blames someone else. I'm a good guy. I couldn't have hurt your feelings, so that's not what I meant to do. Pride says they'll get over it, right? But Christ calls a different path. We don't exalt ourselves. We humble ourselves for others. That was the first time in my life. I mean, I, I got down, my, everything was down. I got down real low on the ground, and I'm like, Lena, I'm so sorry that my anger scared you. I'm sorry. I was angry. Will you forgive me? And I put myself below her. I gave her the power to either forgive me or not forgive me. I humbled myself to a two-year-old who I had all power and authority over. I humbled myself. And it was tough because I don't want to humble myself. I'd rather ignore it. I'd rather just pretend it happened and she'll get over it. That's what I'd rather do. But Christ promises it is by losing our life that we'll find it. And she forgave me. And when I, I do wrong to my kids sometimes, I do wrong to my wife, and I say sorry when I do. And every time it's hard, it gets a little easier over time. You do the right thing, that muscle begins to get stronger. That hu the, hu the humble muscle gets stronger. Friends, you are not the hero of the story. Neither am I, and not this church isn't either. Jesus Christ is the hero of the story, and we get to serve, and we should be grateful. If you choose to walk in pride and to put your story and your desires and your life above the things of God, just remember, God he can humble those who walk in pride. Personally, I don't want to get cut down again. With that said, let us pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who died that we may live. Help us to exalt your son, to praise, to bless, to honor. King Nebuchadnezzar, Lord, he sang songs of your goodness and of your greatness. Help us to lift our eyes to heaven the way he lifted his eyes to heaven. Help us to praise, exalt, honor, bless. Help us to exalt you in our heart. To remain humble as we walk with you in this life. Lord, you give grace to the humble. As we lay down our lives, you give it back to us. Help us to heed this warning that we need not be this king who is felled by your mighty axe. In Christ's name we ask all these things.